These words from Lucy Shaw, I didn't make it into the sermon this morning, but they just seem such a good commentary on that passage that Lynn read from Isaiah that I thought I'd share them anyway. She writes, anticipation lifts the heart. Desire is created to be fulfilled, perhaps not all at once, more likely in slow stages. Isaiah uttered his prophetic words about the renewal of the natural creation into a wilderness of spiritual barrenness and thirst. For him and for many Old Testament seers, the vacuum of dry indifference into which he spoke was not yet a place of fulfillment. Yet the promise of God through this human mouthpiece, and the word promise, by the way, always holds a kind of certainty. This promise through a human mouthpiece was verdant with hope, a kind of greenness and glory a softening of hard-heartedness, a lively expectation would herald the coming of the Messiah. And once again, in this season of Advent, the same promise for the same one, the same anointed one, is coming closer for us. Pray with me. God of justice, we ask for your healing presence like a stream in the desert to those tender places within us. We ask that your healing open up rivers of joy wherever there is need in this world. Open our eyes to the needs of others that we may not see. Open our ears to truths we may ignore. Open our mouths to speak with justice where we might feel paralyzed by fear. Bring us freedom of movement, where we might feel weighed down by doubt. Set us free from things that imprison us. Nourish us spiritually and physically with your goodness. Humble us when we get too busy. Lift us up when our spirits are burdened. Fill us with your joy that it may bubble out of us like a healing spring. Amen. On the way, we may be anxious to be on the way, but then we're not entirely sure which way it is that we are to be on. Where are we headed? And how will we know we're following the right route? There's no electronic voice assuring us that our route guidance will begin once we've backed out of the driveway. However, we have some voices in today's text which we might find helpful. Isaiah says of the wilderness stretched out between Babylon and Jerusalem, a highway shall be there and it shall be called the Holy Way. Dietrich Bonhoeffer proclaims that God travels wonderful ways with human beings. John the Baptist wants to know if he and his followers should journey with Jesus 
or wait for another guide on the way? Well, let's see if we can discern some direction from these fellow travelers this morning. Isaiah has written a beautiful poem about a way that will lead inevitably to the joy of homecoming for his people. Physically, culturally, and spiritually, it's a long way from Babylon to Jerusalem, especially if you've lived there for over a hundred years, exiled in this strange land. Remember how the psalmist laments, how shall we sing God's song in a strange land? That's written about Babylon. Though it's about 500 miles from Babylon to Jerusalem as the crow flies, the journey in the time of Isaiah would have been something more like 900 miles. The return would be largely on foot, and you're not sure that you remember the way. In spite of a hundred years of assimilation to Babylonian ways, the exile was still marked for them by a strange language, strange food, strange music, strange gods. It would be good to return to the old familiar. Yes? Still the prospect of the long distance, desert terrain, wilderness wandering, fierce animals added up to an anxious uncertainty. Are you sure you can find the way? There really is a certain comfort in exile, isn't there? Isn't it easier to settle for the trouble we know than to face the great unknown? They're not so sure they want to be on the way. So Isaiah sings to his people, the wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. Waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. The haunt of jackals will become a swamp. The grass shall become reeds and rushes. A highway shall be there, and it shall be called the holy way. The redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the holy one shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. What a promise. What a word of hope and possibility. It sounds to me like one of those marvelous marching songs that help us keep moving, you know, when we're uh, on our way. I'm with you and you're with me and so we are all together, so we are all together, so we are all together as we march along. Or I love to go wandering along the mountain track, so joyously it calls to me, come join my happy song. Or we are marching in the light of God. You probably have a favorite journey song of your own. 
Miriam Therese Winter, whose beautiful study of Mary's Magnificat we just sang, has another great song that sings, It's a long road to freedom, a winding steep and high, but when you walk in love with the wind on your wing and cover the earth with the song you sing, the miles fly by. Can you imagine those folks singing their way from Babylon to Jerusalem, 900 miles? They probably sang every song they knew. Fortunately, there are a lot of psalms to be sung along the way. I believe that winter has captured Isaiah's vision. The question is, will Isaiah's people get it? Will they, will we catch the vision? or even see the signs. Isaiah, as he so often does, is trying to offer his people hope for the future and strength for the journey. He's been painting an awfully grim picture of the mess his people have gotten themselves into with the destruction of the city and the temple, the desolation of the land and the dragging of the key leadership off into exile. He seems to know something about the fierceness of the wilderness, the aridity of the desert, the threats to life in such a setting. His words of promise come directly from the depths of despair. They shall see the glory of the Holy One, the majesty of our God. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm those feeble knees. Some of us older folk are keenly aware of that. Make firm those feeble knees. Say to those who are of fearful heart, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. God will come with vengeance, with terrible recompense. God will come and save you. You see, there is a way even when and where it is hard for them to see that way, the prophet insists that it is so. That is his promise. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a great lover of the Advent Christmas season. Some of his most beautiful writing reflects on this time of year. Here he is in prison writing in today's words of preparation, musing on the Advent way. God travels wonderful ways with human beings, but he does not comply with the views and opinions of people. God does not go the way that people want to prescribe for him, Rather, his way is beyond all comprehension, free and self-determined, beyond all proof. Where reason is indignant, where our nature rebels, where our piety anxiously keeps us away, that is precisely where God loves to be. There he confounds the reason of the reasonable. There he aggravates our nature, our piety. That is where he wants to be. And no one can keep him from it. Well, now you may ask, 
How is that helpful? It sounds as if God is some sort of a trickster, a merry prankster, leading us in ways we're not sure we want to go, challenging us to think outside the box, to live away from our comfort zones, to let go of control, to ride the roller coaster hands-free. Along with Isaiah, he sounds as if he has caught a bit of Mary's vision of the great reversals that occur when God, when we let God be our guide. Only the humble believe him and rejoice that God is so free and so marvelous that he does wonders where people despair, that he takes what is little and lowly and makes it marvelous. And that is the wonder of all wonders, that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of lowliness of human beings. That's us, friends. God marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. Where does that leave us? Does it mean we must be humble? Little? Lowly? Maybe we don't like that language so much. Is it vital for us to identify in some way with the lost, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak and broken, in order to find our way? Remember when Jesus called Matthew, the tax collector, to be a disciple and some indignant authorities wanted to know, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They thought Jesus was going out of his way to offend them. After all, weren't, weren't they the theologians, the religious leaders, the righteous? Shouldn't Jesus be hanging out with the right people? namely them. But when Jesus heard them, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have come to call not the righteous but sinners. What does it mean that God does not go the way that people want to prescribe for him? Rather, his way is beyond all comprehension, free and self-determined beyond all proof. Somehow, we have to let go and get down to get the gospel. Friends, that's just the way it works. We have to let go and get down to get the gospel. Jesus, Jesus, are you the one or should we look for another? Poor John, who had been such a trailblazer himself out there in the heart of Isaiah's wilderness calling the people to account, repent for the kingdom of heaven is come near. Prepare the way of the Holy One, like make Messiah's path straight. Now John's in jail. 
incarcerated for calling out old Herod Antipas once too often for his illicit relationship with his brother's wife. As with Bonhoeffer, centuries later, you're not inclined to be as certain in your proclamation when you're behind bars as you were when you walked in freedom. You tend to become more reflective. Doubts arise, and you find you have questions about the way. Nesting with Dietrich and John, Frederick Beekner has written, Joy is home. God created us in joy and created us for joy, and in the long run, not all the darkness there is in the world and in ourselves can separate us finally from that joy. Because whatever else it means to say that God created us in God's image, I think it means, he writes, when we cannot believe in God, even when we feel most spiritually bankrupt and deserted, God's mark is deep within us. We've got joy in our blood. It reminds me of that old camp song, you know, I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. Where? Down in my heart. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. The wilderness and the dry land shall be glad. The desert shall rejoice and blossom like the crocus, that intrepid little flower that pushes its way up the first bloom through the snow. Like the crocus, it shall blossom abundantly and rejoice with joy and singing. At the river, John had tried to stop Jesus. I need to be baptized by you. Do you come to me? He knew who Jesus was, or at least he thought he did. This is the Messiah whose salvation I came to proclaim, isn't it? Now he faces his own execution, unjustly sentenced by a despotic ruler. He's desperate for a word of reassurance. Please, Please tell me I got it right, that all my work was not for nothing. I love Jesus' response. It's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament, his response to John's plea. He doesn't just jot a word on a post-it and send it back to John. Sure, sure, man, that's me. He makes it plain in words that must have touched John in the very depths of his being, bringing joy to his heart in the midst of his suffering, pain, and impending death, rotting in a jail cell. Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear and the dead are raised, and the poor have good news brought to them. And blessed is anyone who has no offense, takes no offense at me. The believing is in the doing, on the way. 
We're anxious to be on the way, but we're not entirely sure which way it is that we are to be on. Where are we headed? And how will we know we're following the right route? Well, hopefully you see some markers, some road signs in the writings of Isaiah and Bonhoeffer and Matthew and Luke, the words he puts into Mary's mouth, as we face uncertain, even turbulent times in our own lives and in the life of our community. And the world beyond these signs become ever more important. How will we know we're on the way? The blind see, the lame walk, the mute sing for joy, weak hands are strengthened, feeble knees made firm, the sick are healed, fearful hearts are freed, the poor have good news to celebrate, the neglected, the unseemly, the excluded, the weak and broken are lifted and loved, the dead are raised. I know it may all sound pretty unrealistic, kind of utopian, Even if we glimpse the way, how will we find it, let alone ourselves on it? Well, here's the catch. In finding our way, we have to help make the way. In the words of Brian McLaren, we make the road by walking. If the great transforming reversals are to happen, the ones that will bring to life God's beloved community, we have to read the road signs, and we have to make them real. We need to make the way ourselves, even when it's hard to see. The word is still true. The promise redeemable, that on the way, We shall see the glory of the Holy One, the majesty of our God. Strengthen our weak hands and make firm our feeble knees. Say to those who are of a fearful heart, be strong. Do not fear. Here is our God. God will come and save us. The redeemed shall walk on the way. And the ransomed of the Holy One shall return and come to Zion or Costa Mesa with singing. Everlasting joy shall be on their heads and they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Amen.